Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. I'm Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website, Quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews for 20 years, and you can read all of my work at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at the Jesse Owens story of sorts. It's called Race. It's a drama, biopic. It's a PG-13 rated film because of thematic elements and language, and it runs two hours and 14 minutes. The cast includes Stephen James, Jason Sudeikis, Jeremy Irons, William Hurt, Carice Van Houten, and Shanice Banton. The director is Stephen Hopkins, and the screenplay is by Joe Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse. For those of you who don't know Jesse Owens' story, it's kind of an inspirational one. He was the son of a sharecropper. He was the grandson of a slave who eventually became a track star at his alma mater of Ohio State University. He was the first member of his family to actually go to college. And during that time at OSU, he met Larry Snyder, who was a promising track star himself and also the head coach of the track team. Coach Snyder saw raw talent in the young Jesse Owens, and knowing that the 1936 Olympics was not too far in the distance, Snyder thought that Owens was just the kind of diamond in the rough that the country needed in order to win Olympic gold at those games. Snyder worked with Owens on how to be the best he could be, showing him how to work on a proper start to the race, and also added the long jump to Owens' repertoire. However, as the Olympics approached, the situation in Germany had changed from a pretty dire situation to far worse. It would be held in the lion's den of racial intolerance, Berlin, under Hitler's regime and the Nazi party. And the intent of the games, under the leadership of Joseph Goebbels, was to show that the Aryan race is the supreme race in the world. With the International Olympic Committee conflicted about whether to boycott the games or to go there and try to show up the Germans, and the NAACP requesting Owens to actually sit out in protest... Even though he was the fastest runner in the world, he may not have been allowed to find his claim to fame because of the political circumstances. Now, the title is race. Obviously, that has a double meaning for the context of this film, you know, with Owen's own race just being one more onus to place on his shoulders above and beyond just having to best some of the world's fastest runners from all over the globe on the track. Not only did this contribute to some of the problems with Jesse Owens keeping his head in the game, but we also learned that Jesse Owens' personal life and his relationship with his girlfriend Ruth, with whom he had a young daughter at the time and to whom he tries to give whatever extra cash that he could, was on the rocks. With fame bringing out other interested women to Jesse Owens and with him being away for long periods of time, that threatened to also jeopardize his home life with his dalliances on the side. It should be noted here that even though race deals with some of Jesse Owens' personal foibles, it was made with the cooperation of the Owens family, the Owens Trust, etc., and that allowed for some insider stories about the man to emerge, but in that kind of sugar-coated way that keeps his sterling legacy still intact. Despite the fact that this film it really is kind of a biopic on Jesse Owens, he's not always front and center at all times because the film also goes backstage into the dealings of the Olympics event. We do see a lot of behind-the-scenes activities on the Nazi side. We have Goebbels. You know he's the villain of the movie because he gets his own ominous music every time he walks onto the screen. Goebbels is out on a crusade to show the other races as inferior through the course of the games, and he employs the services of filmmaker Lenny Riefenstahl to capture the momentous occasion of these German athletes collecting gold medals while the other countries are left in the dust. Now, to further ensure the Aryan race victories, Goebbels decides to keep Jews and Negroes from being able to compete while... The U.S. Olympic rep 
Avery Brundage enters into an ill-defined business partnership because he was an industrialist, and he secured a contract with the Nazis as part of this bargain to keep the American team diverse, even though there was still a high degree of pressure to have the Jewish runners sit out for their events. Now, interestingly, you know, this being a relatively high-profile biopic about a very important African-American figure... That's released during February, which is Black History Month in the United States. The producers of race hand the reins over to Stephen Hopkins. He's a white man who is not even an American. He was born in Jamaica and raised in mostly in England and Australia and hasn't directed a feature film since 2007's horror flick, The Reaping, which was not a good movie at all. And his filmography includes a lot of clunkers, including A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 and Predator 2, Judgment Night and Lost in Space. Hopkins' mode of direction for race is akin to Peyton Manning during Super Bowl 50, which is that he tries not to blow it while those around him with the tools and the talent still in the tank manage to keep things afloat for him. As such, though dealing with a great deal of the potential incendiary subject matter within race, you know, one can imagine how much more potent the film would have been with somebody like Spike Lee behind the camera. Many of the edges that should have been there have been sanded down in order to make it fairly palatable to appeal to the broadest of audiences possible. As for the cast, it's a it's a mixed bag. Stephen James performs well with the physical aspects of Jesse Owens' depiction here, but while he is very likable and charismatic and not a bad actor... I think that he's not really given much to work with in terms of delivering home some of the important emotional resonance whenever Jesse Owens is off of the track. Jason Sudeikis is the flashiest of the casting choices. He impresses only because he's normally seen as just a comedic actor in his career. This is his first dramatic role. He doesn't embarrass himself, and he doesn't bring the film down. That's probably the only notable thing to say about his performance here, because it's fairly standard at best. Somebody with a little bit more acting talent probably could have done a lot more. Esteemed veterans William Hurt and Jeremy Irons are in the film, but, you know, it's been a while since they've really resonated on the screen, and they're too far removed now from the strong work that they put in during the 1980s and 1990s. These were actors at the top of their game during those eras, and somehow they haven't really been able to recapture that lightning in a bottle that they once had, and uh, they come off within the course of this film, more as thinly defined caricatures instead of fully fleshed out characters. Despite this, although race touches on important subjects and it does finally give an American hero, Jesse Owens, a a long overdue theatrical feature about his life and achievements, the biggest knock on the movie as a whole is that it feels like a very conventional biopic. Now, throughout the course of this movie, you can almost hear the boxes as they're being checked off on the highlights from the crew behind the scenes who are putting everything together narratively to make sure that it's all in there. All of the interesting little tidbits that you want, even if they have to embellish a few things in order to give it a little bit more conflict. The other detraction from the movie is that it often does feel like it is made in in 2016. The dialogue is very anachronistic at times. We hear the term progressive in here to denote liberal thinkers, which I don't remember being uh, a term that was really highly in use more than 20 years ago. And certainly I don't think that it was back in the 1930s. We also have modern phrases in this film like good luck with that which I think is definitely something of a 21st century variety. I don't think that it existed very much in the 1930s. White people here is depicted as either completely racist or as relatively colorblind as we might be today. 
Though in reality, you know, either extreme on the spectrum would have been quite rare to find in the mid-1930s. Certainly you have an extreme here in terms of like Joseph Goebbels or Adolf Hitler. You have some people who actually are fairly colorblind for their era, but uh, this film seems to try to have it as either one way or another throughout. Now, even then, progressive Franklin Roosevelt didn't even extend an invitation to the White House to Jesse Owens, despite being the top gold medal winner at the Olympics. He didn't even acknowledge it publicly. So, you know, this was a different era. This film seems to have kind of a different hindsight where racism does abound, but it definitely seems to not have existed in all people. The depiction of Nazi Germany during this period, while they definitely employed a lot of severely damaging tactics in its in their treatment of Jewish people, uh, the Nuremberg Laws that were enacted in 1935 most notably, somehow in, in reality they weren't quite as ramped up to full-blown rousting up of entire families for no purpose quite yet, like they depict in this film at almost every turn when you see the public streets, and certainly... It, this was not something that was witnessed firsthand by the American track team at the time, like it is in this film on a couple of occasions. There's also a very contrived scene that never took place wherein Jesse Owens was supposed to go up and shake hands with Adolf Hitler, who obviously vacated because he didn't want to be seen congratulating this inferior race. It's something that didn't actually occur. At least, certainly, Jesse Owens says he never shook Hitler's hands and he never shook Franklin Roosevelt's hands, so... Just kind of contrasting that, that there wasn't really a lot of difference in terms of Jesse Owens' eyes about the racism that existed in both of these countries. This is a, a 2020 hindsight kind of movie. It tries to have its cake and eat it too often. It fudges the story for its clear-cut confrontation of having good guys to cheer and having bad guys to boo and hiss in a very melodramatic fashion. Now, in terms of trying to sugarcoat things, you know, despite the fact that Jesse Owens did win four medals, the most of any athlete in the 1936 games, you should never take that away from him. It's an amazing accomplishment, especially given the amount of pressure he was obviously under. Germany still managed to come away without as much egg on their face as the film would have you believe because Germany nearly won more gold medals than the next two closest countries combined and won 33 more medals than their closest competitor, the United States, in the course of those games. So they actually did quite well. You would think that they lost severely based on just this movie. Now, in terms of giving the film some respect, I do think that it at least doesn't paint Americans as completely good and Germans as completely evil. America had its own problems, too, because of a particularly shameful history when it came to race relations itself. Owens is surprised more than anything to find when he goes to Germany that the dorms for the athletes are not segregated as they were in the United States. And he even ends up being embraced openly by one of the German athletes, Carl Lutz Long, who ended up being kind of shamed himself for being a little bit too cavalier in terms of his being open with the uh, the other race, I guess, here. I think that the movie is at its most effective when Owens is actually competing for Olympics glory. And that means that because it does happen in the last 30 to 40 minutes of the film, that it manages to end with some pretty good momentum, enough to make many Americans who are in the audience proud of Jesse Owens' impressive achievements in the face of that overwhelming adversity. 
And also kind of a, a shameful degree of embarrassment that somebody like Jesse Owens of such stature would have to wait so long into his life to get proper accolades by the government. I mean, it wasn't even until the presidency of Gerald Ford in the mid-1970s, almost 40 years after the events that took place, for Jesse Owens to finally get a Medal of Freedom from the president. And then, you know, shortly before his death in 1980, he did also get a... Living Legend Award presented to him by Jimmy Carter. So a long time coming for such an American hero here. Nevertheless, despite the fact that Race is a very broad stroke kind of movie, it feels like very TV movie-esque in its approach. It's not going to win any awards or really any accolades itself. I'm going to still give Race a recommendation because it is entertaining and it is very watchable as a take on some important historical events. And it, I think that it will be, generate enough spark to make some viewers interested enough to find out more about the life and the times and the history of Jesse Owens on their own terms in other mediums, whether they watch documentaries or read a book or even a Wikipedia entry. So in that, at least it's kind of a victory in and of itself to at least make a lot of people who may not have known about Jesse Owens to be much more aware of his contributions to not only race relations, but also as an important figure in American history during a very volatile time. While I don't think that race is really a gold medal effort, I do think it still manages at the end to cross the finish line in very fine style. So I'm going to give race three stars out of four and three stars means that I would recommend this film to people who are interested in, in this genre or this subject. Certainly if you're a fan of sports biopics, this is also a, a pretty good representation there too. So three stars goes to race. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoy the review. If you do, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button, and you'll continue to get all of my reviews downloaded into your podcast player on a mostly daily basis. Also, if you happen to be on iTunes or any place else where you can leave a review, if you want to help out my show, I definitely encourage you to leave a review and let other people know what you think. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name. Until next time, thanks, everyone, for listening, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 